How's it going today, guys? Once again, back here in the studio for another episode of Hot Takes with TP3. Today is April 19th, 2018, and it's middle of the NBA playoffs, middle of the first round. And uh, first thing, we had a little tragedy that happened last night with Greg Popovich's wife passing away. I just wanted to send my thoughts and prayers to Popovich. I mean, that's rough what happens, man. I mean, Pop's a great coach. You really hate to see it happen, but I know Pop's a strong guy, and he'll bounce back and keep going. But I got Jeremy Kuhn with me today in the studio. Say what's up to the people. Hey, what's up, guys? back again uh, ready to get after it and so we're going to start things off today with big storyline I mean we've seen the two teams dominate out in the Western Conference 2-0 the Rockets and Golden State both win their games by about or I guess Golden State won both by double digits Houston won big big last night but personally I believe that the Rockets can beat them in a seven game series which I think was going to happen in the Western Conference final Jeremy what do you think um, honestly, I got, I got a full-strength Warriors squad over the Rockets. Uh, I know it's really going to hinge on whether you know they can have everyone at full health, uh, because otherwise, I think the Rockets do have the firepower. But uh, at full strength, you know, I, I like how Steph stretches the floor. I think that that's something that the Rockets are not going to f- have not faced yet, and probably won't face until the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think that that's going to allow Durant and Thompson to get like an unprecedented look at the Rockets' defense. I don't know if they're ready for that. Um, I do think the Warriors have the defensive prowess to uh, slow down the Rockets on that lethal pick-and-roll game. Uh, I don't think they're going to stop it completely. I think Harden and Chris Paul are too good with that. But uh, I do think they'll slow them down enough to where their offense will make up for it. And, um, you know, the, the Warriors overall are just more championship-experienced. And I'm just not sure um, that anyone on the Rockets can really guard Durant in a seven-game series. You know, like he's got all the skills that the guys like Curry and Harden do, but he's just so much longer. And I think the way he's been playing lately, especially game one, um, it's it's going to be hard for the Rockets to stop him. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think Durant's a tough guy to cover up. Ariza and Umbab Mute will do what they can to slow him down, but Durant's only a guy you can slow down. You can't stop him. Right. You just got to pick and choose with him. I mean, Curry's another guy, too. I'm hoping that conditioning and just him being out of sync a little bit and out of funk with the team after sitting out all this time will definitely hinder him a little bit, but, I mean, he'll at least have a round to get it together. But I personally do not think they can play defense against Houston, and my reasoning being is that Golden State in most defensive categories is bottom 15 in the league. Like, for example, they're 18th in the league in uh, opponent field goal percentage. They're allowing, or an opponent points per game, they're allowing 107.5 points per game rather than Houston's sixth, only allowing 104. Um, Golden Houston hits a lot more threes than Golden State. They've hit over 12,000 or uh, 1,200 on the season. Golden State hasn't even hit 1,000. Houston's hitting about 15 threes per game, while Golden State's only hitting 11. And Golden State turns the ball over a lot, which I think will help Houston start that fast break and kind of get the ball where they can get it out there and hit threes. Golden State's turning the ball over 26th, actually, in the league in turnovers. They haven't been taking care of it at all rather than Houston's ninth, but to me, the biggest thing is Houston's point differential is plus 8.5, while Golden State's is only uh, plus uh, 5.2. But now I know Golden State doesn't miss a lot, but Houston's getting 80% of those defensive rebounds, so there's not a whole lot of second second chance points there. And I don't really think that JaVale McGee's dumbass or Zaza's d- <laughs> dirty playing ass can guard Clint Capella or even stop him or Nene. I just feel like Houston has a clear advantage right there, but I mean— I don't, know, I don't know what you feel. 
Yeah, I mean, that's a valid point. Um, I, I did come across the advanced stat that said the uh, Golden State Warriors actually get 86% of their defensive rebounds. Um, so I'm not sure how much of a factor Capella is going to be. Um, I know he's a big body, uh, but I think the Warriors might be able to bang with him and maybe, you know, scheme up how they're going to come after their rebounds a little bit. Um, um, another interesting stat, another interesting stat is uh, Golden State actually has uh, about a 10-point better true shooting percentage. Um, I think that shows that at their full strength, you know, they're they're such an efficient offense. Uh, I'm not sure the Rockets have seen anything like that yet. Um, and also, I'd like to point out, you know, Steph Curry is still the best three-point shooter in the league, probably the best three-point shooter ever. Um, like I said, you know, his his gravity is, is such a big factor. And I think Klay Thompson, you know, being really top three or four, maybe second best three-point shooter and a very streaky scorer, you know, he's going to be a big factor if he can get going um, alongside Steph. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think they're one of the best three-point shooting duos the league has to offer, but Houston's hitting four more three-pointers a game than them, which is huge. And I mean, we've seen Houston like in nights where they struggle for three. For example, game one versus Minnesota, they only hit 10 threes last night. Before it got unwatchable, they had already hit like 17 three-pointers, and that just boosts them so much more over teams. But my biggest thing is when Harden and Paul, one of the two of them is always going to show up and play a big game so you don't have to worry with it, rather than Golden State. With you have four of those players who are going to all be taking time up with the ball and whatnot. I mean, obviously they've clearly figured out because they don't lose very often ways to, to figure out who's got the hot hand and get them the ball most of the time. But I feel like if Steph or KD's off, one of the two of them is still going to be taking up tons of shots and tons of possessions rather than like last night, for example, Harden couldn't really get anything to fall. He found other ways to involve himself in the game with dishing out a ton of assists. And then Paul took over scoring you at 27 points and Paul's still going to get his assists with eight or the night before that when CP3 couldn't really hit anything and he only had like 16 points or something like that and Harding had that 44 and 8 so I just feel like one way or another one of these guys is going to be on enough that they can carry the offense to the next level and I mean regardless whenever one of the two of them has the ball in the hand they're going to take tons of defensive players up and all that stuff so they can pass the ball around and get other people open too yeah I mean to go against that um, I did come across another stat that said uh, Golden State actually has a higher assist percentage to end possessions in the Rockets and they also have a higher assist to turnover ratio Mm -hmm. so uh, they do move the ball really well Um, they haven't been at full strength all season so that's pretty staggering to me that they've still come up with that uh, stat so um, I I think that they do have the firepower I think they do have the selfless play enough Mm -hmm. despite having all that talent but it's really just going to come down to uh, who wants it more. I mean, the classic. It classic definitely, saying. <laughs> it definitely will. I mean, a lot of people don't take the regular season that seriously. Mm-hmm. I personally can take it seriously to an extent. And out of the three times Golden State and Houston played, one time Houston was not at full strength because Harden wasn't playing, and right. they lost the game. There was a pretty much a four point game. Then they started fouling, and the game went to ten, mm-hmm. and Golden State won. But the other two times, the Rockets beat them, and I just feel like that the Rockets at full strength just have their number. I just think that the biggest thing. Is Golden State's defense is not as good as we really think it is. I've looked at their defense over the past couple of years. They've only been top 10 defense one time, which is when they won that first title when Iguodala got got player of the year. But they also had a lot better defensive players like Bogut and stuff. That was their best center they've ever had. But they're really weak at the center position, which is where Houston's good with Nene and Capella. And I just feel like that their defense is just not good enough that Houston will be able to get the shots they need rather than Houston has a top 10. Actually, it's, the, it's pretty much the sixth rated defense in the 
the league, so they're barely outside of the top five. And Dan Tony clearly has defensive systems like we've seen with him forcing Wiggins and Towns to do things they're not comfortable with. And like Towns trying to put the ball on the floor when he's not hitting threes and he's getting ripped or he used to pick it up. And Wiggins just trying to get the ball in his hands because we know how unconfident he's been all season and lost he's been. So I just feel like D'Antonio will whip something up defensively to play to their not play to their strengths, and I feel like it'll help Houston out with their defensive efficiency and Golden State not being that great at defense. All right, so let's move on from there and let's go to playoff takeaways. And so the first playoff takeaway that I have, and Jeremy has it as well, is the 76ers and the Heat series. And my takeaway from the series is the 76ers need Embiid to beat the Heat. And I just feel like they need Embiid to beat the Heat because we saw last night how that not necessarily Whiteside dominated them, but they're just missing that extra player when they don't hit three-pointers like they usually do. Like in game one, Covington and, and Redick were unconscious for three. They were hitting everything they looked at. And and I just feel like when they can't do that, they struggle to find offense. Now, I will say this, though. The 76ers were still in the game because, I mean, they threw that ball through J.J. Reddick's legs and they could have cut the lead by like yeah. one or two points. So they were definitely still in the game, did a good job of battling back. But they need Embiid in there. With Embiid in there, that's a game they win by 15 points. Yeah. I mean, my first takeaway from the series is, I mean, clearly I think this is the best coaching matchup in the first round, maybe in mm-hmm. all the playoffs, definitely in the East. Um, I think Miami is a good test for this young Sixers team if they're able to bounce back even without Embiid and uh, and win this series. I think it's going to be it's going to go far to show that they can uh, get to the Eastern Conference Finals, maybe even win these Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, my my hot take for next game, I think we're going to see a historic performance by Ben Simmons. Uh, he's really been playing well, and uh, I think it's just about time to make like a little. Um, statement game, you know. In the yeah, take, make that next jump. Yeah, and I think um, the Sixers can flip the switch, especially, especially when they get Embiid back. But uh, I think they can still win the series in six if they get their shit together. Um, I really do think they have the uh, shooting talent all around. Um, I think their lack of experience kind of caught up with them last game, and the Heat just looked like a veteran squad out there. And Whiteside is just such a big body and force, and you don't have Embiid down there. I mean, Whiteside's going to get his uh, from game to game, so here and there the Heat are going to be able to pull one out like that but uh, I think six or seven uh, Sixers still got it yeah I think the biggest thing was them seeing D Wade go out there and ball like he did he said Kevin Hart made him do it uh, to yeah. him but I think it's Old just big Wade. yeah I think it's just big to see D Wade come out there and go off and kind of calm the nerves down a little bit mm-hmm. so I think a big thing to see when you have a veteran like that especially come off the bench and score all those points I thought it was one of D Wade's better playoff games but I'm going to agree with you I still am sticking with my original prediction of Sixers and Six I just think they need to find their experience a little bit more now the heat might go up 2-1 on i think they play tomorrow night or yeah they play tomorrow night i think the heat could potentially go up 2-1 but i mean i see the philly just coming right back and winning and winning the next game and then going back to philadelphia i could see him winning three in a row honestly yeah i, I agree um i think if the heat do go up 2-1 we might see it go to seven but um i, I think either way six or seven I, i'm seeing the sixers come out on top i just don't think the heat have enough talent yeah and i don't think wade has enough in the tank you know like we're not going to see old man wade game every yeah. single every single game of this series. That's so. what I'm saying. I feel like he can't do it like that, but move on from there, and I want to talk about the Thunder Jazz series a little bit. We both have a take from that, and my mine is the Thunder Big 3 show up. They can't be beat, and last night I tweeted that, actually, and that was when Melo had 18 points in about the mid-third quarter, and you know what Melo ended the game with? It was 18 points, so he kind of went away, and that was kind of what hurt them down the stretch, and Donovan Mitchell found his game in the second half. He had a rough first half, but 
but he picked it up in the second half, which is what carried him over them. But I really think when you got a guy like playoff peas, they like to call him nowadays, and uh, Russell Westbrook and Melo on the same team, if those three guys go out there and get theirs, if you get about 20, if you get a little over 20 from each of them, or I mean, shoot, you don't even need 20 from Westbrook, but if you can get that triple-double, I just feel like your team's going to have a good chance at winning. And I feel like, you're honestly, you're better off when that Westbrook's shooting less and passing the ball more, because I mean, yeah. we all saw that stat where they clowned him on TNT and showed that when he shoots under 17 field goals, they always win. Yeah, I mean, uh, my takeaway is the Jazz can still win this series. Uh, I'm going to say that it's going to have to go to seven. Um, I do think Donovan Mitchell is going to be a force, continue to do so, and uh, and forces to seven games, depending on no matter how good the Thunder play. Um, I think the uh, the Jazz may have a better shot to win than you thought because they actually do have a better offensive rating than the Thunder. Um, it was about 104, I think. Thunder was about 102. And um, I, I just think they have superior coaching. Quinn Snyder, to me, is a better NBA coach than Billy Donovan. And um, I think that they're going to scheme up their defense a little bit and try to focus on containing Paul George. Because if you can contain Paul George a little bit, Melo hasn't been on his game. Steven Adams can't get the shots without Paul George and Westbrook giving the ball anyway. And whenever Paul George is not on, you've seen all year, man, Westbrook has played hero ball. And I think your only chance to beat the Thunder in a seven-game series is to contain Paul George and force Westbrook to beat you with hero ball. I mean, he can do it. But is Westbrook going to put up a 40-point triple-double every game and beat the Jazz? I'm not sure because they're such a good defensive team. So I think it comes down to them containing Paul George, forcing him to play hero ball, and uh, just hoping that their offense can continue the pace that they put up all season. Yeah, see, I definitely agree with you on that. They need to do those. I think that at the end of the day, those star players are always going to kind of get theirs and whatnot. I feel like it's more so Melo and Steven Adams that are the biggest X factors. Now, I definitely think you can try. I feel like trying to contain Paul George and Westbrook is just a lot harder task rather than because I feel like when Melo has a big game like we saw in game one, Thunder win big and they can control the whole game. And I feel like Steven Adams is crucial because you got a guy like Rudy Gobert He's number one in the league in defensive win share. Like we know what he can do on the boards. Right. We know what he can do blocking shots. I mean, he can score it a little bit too. So I feel like more so, you, Rudy Gobert and Steven Adams is the key matchup of the series. Whichever one of those guys wins the matchup, kind of wins the game because they're do, both doing so much for their team. Like Steven Adams is by far the most underappreciated player on this team. I really think he's more a part of the big three than Melo is. But obviously, everybody no else. Doubt, so, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Steven Adams, is one of the most slept on players in the NBA. He does all the dirty work. So I really. Think I think Steven Adams is going to have to is going to have to step it up a little bit. He played all right last night, but I feel like the, if he can dominate those boards and block a few more shots and keep Gobert out of the paint a little bit, that it can be a lot better. Yeah, I definitely think so. Um, I think that Joe Ingles uh, is probably the most underrated player in the series. People don't really know about him, but he's a lockdown defender, yeah. and I do think he has the prowess to stand up to a Melo and Paul George type guy. Um, it's really going to depend on how they scheme up, though, because I mean he's never going to be able to. St- Stand toe to toe with them all game. You know, you're gonna have to force them into yeah. a trap, force them to try to throw across court to Westbrook or something. You know, you, you want to eat up the shot clock without the ball in Westbrook's hands. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Ingles also a guy who shoots really well from three and is underrated for that too. The Jazz definitely have a lot of stud players. I mean, Donovan Mitchell took over in the second half, like we said. When he plays like that, you know he's gonna go off. And that was good to see too, because his foot was bit was hurt a little bit. But I definitely think this is a series that Utah can easily win. I said it'd go seven, and I still stand by that. I think this will be the best first round series. Yeah, this Jazz team this year uh, just just for a kind of quick hot take uh, they kind of remind me of the 04 Pistons team a little bit. Okay. Um, they have a weird little group of almost role players like I would say excellent role players like they're very good at what they do oh, they're yeah, not really sure. role players but they're not stars you got a guy like uh, all around point guard like Ricky Rubio great assister mm-hmm. decent scorer some some nights he's definitely gotten better at scoring the ball no doubt uh, he's improved that three shot 
And uh, then you got guys like Ingles, you know, he's kind of almost like the Tayshawn Prince of the mm-hmm. Four Pistons. And then you got Gobert, kind of like the Ben Wallace, you know. So they have a weird little group, uh, good scorer in Derek Favors, kind of like Rashid. So I'd like to see if they can kind of get that chemistry together and, and pull off some upsets. Yeah, but moving on from there, uh, my next my next takeaway from the playoffs so far is that the Bucks are 0-2, uh, surprisingly. You know, I picked the Bucks to win in five or six games. Um, I think I really underestimated uh, the coaching first off from the Celtics. Um, I was surprised at how well the Celtics have been scoring the ball, quite honestly, the pacing they've put up without Kyrie or Hayward on this floor. And the biggest thing, too, is, I mean, Giannis needs some help. I, I've seen some people on TV and things like that talking about Giannis, like, is Giannis ever going to live up to the hype? I mean, I think that's kind of unfair. He's averaging a 35-point triple-double right now in the playoffs. You know, I think he had 35, 13-7 yeah. the other day, and, like, I mean, where's his help? You know, Blood says helping a little bit, but guys like Chris Middleton haven't been involved enough. Um, no one off the bench has really produced. And overall, the Bucks have just looked stagnant, and it's just not the team I expected them to be in the playoffs. You know, I expected them to be a dark horse force in the East, given the amount of talent and just how great of a player Giannis is individually. But what do you think? Yeah, I definitely think they're missing out on coaching a lot, I think is a big thing. I mean, they had Jason Kidd, and Giannis was real upset to see him leave, and I thought he was a good player to mentor Giannis, because personally, I mean, Giannis really doesn't have that green of a jump shot. He still is just kind of a raw, talented athlete, and the fact Similar that he can yeah, and the fact that he can go out there and score 35 points in a playoff game with almost no jump shot is crazy. I mean, it just shows how good and dominant he is at just getting to the rack and doing what he can do. I mean, when this kid can get a jump shot, the sky's the is the limit for him. I mean, he could be the best player in the league potentially, but I really think, like you said, that they need more help for Giannis. I feel like they need an extra shooter. I think they're better off with Giannis running point and putting another shooter on the floor. I mean, their next best shooter, they might be Jason Terry. They need to get another one. I don't think Eric Bledsoe is a good fit because, I mean, he's not really much of a shooter either. Yeah, I mean, Eric Bledsoe is not a great fit for them so far. Uh, I really thought it was going to work out better than it has just because he's such a talented player, but his skill set is almost similar to Giannis, but yeah. in a 6-2 form rather than a 6-11 with a 7-18, whatever it yeah. been. So I, I do think that they need to add some shooters, uh, no doubt. I mean, if they get put out in this first round, they're going to have to reassess the situation because they don't want to lose Giannis. And, and mm-hmm. like, they're going to lose Giannis if they can't put the talent around him. He's too good of a player, generational talent. I mean, I think you got to have someone to stretch the floor, and then they just don't have another dynamic score that people respect from the three-point line, you know? Yeah. You have him and Eric Bledsoe out there at the same time, and the defense is like, all right, well, we'll clog up the paint. Whatever. Giannis is not going to beat us on jump shots. Bledsoe might if he has a really good night, but that's about it. Yeah, Middleton has to be on for them to pretty much to ball out. No, but, no, I definitely agree with you. It's a series I thought they could win, and from a Celtics side of things, I mean, Brad Stevens is a hell of a coach. I mean, he's doing a great job with this team, losing no, his no. two best players and getting them here. I mean, Jalen Brown's been going at absolutely off. I mean, Jalen Brown's a guy I want the Hawks to look at getting because I think their big decision is going to come between him and Tatum. And personally, I mean, Brown might come back on like a one-year deal to try to win a championship. But then after that, he's definitely going to try to go get paid because, I mean, he's still a young guy, hasn't made his money yet. But, I mean, the Celtics are doing a great job. As much as I hate to say it, Horford's playing well for them. No doubt. And, I mean, they're just they're just playing Celtics basketball team basketball. And, oh, Terry Rozier as well. How can we forget him? Scary Terry. I yeah. mean, him and Bledsoe have that little controversy oh, yeah. where Bledsoe doesn't know who uh, X Expletive he is, but I mean they're they're getting production out of players you wouldn't think they would. And Rozier's playing almost as if they have Kyrie Irving. Yeah, in there. I mean, he saw some people out there like he's taking a book from a page from the book of Kyrie Irving. Yeah, on pretty one. much. <laughs> yeah, Kyrie gave him a little extra sauce before each game, and yeah. it's rubbed off on him a little he's bit. Drinking Kyrie Irving special special juice. Or <laughs> yeah, <whatever. laughs> he puts that Kyrie Irving special sauce on his burrito yeah, before yeah. the game. <laughs> All right, so. 
Now, the big question is the Cavs, man. I mean, that's what everyone's been been wondering about. I mean, that's the hot topic right now is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Can they get it done? I mean, we saw LeBron score 46 points last night and then win by three points. And I'm here to tell you all, quite frankly, I personally don't think they can get it done. I'm looking for a guy like, I mean, J.R. Smith had 15 in that first game. He played really good defense last night, got that key turnover from Oladipo when he picked his pocket. But I don't know, man, if they can beat him. I mean, they're going to need somebody to pick it up. And Kevin Love just tore a a ligament in his thumb, but he said he's going to try to play through it. I mean, Kevin Love's always hurt. He can't stay healthy. I just feel like just not a lot of things are going right for the Cavs right now. Yeah, I mean, last night was a rough matchup. I mean, they they pulled out the win, but Rodney Hood had five points. Clarkson had two. George Hill had six. Kevin Love really wasn't that involved, and neither was he in the first game. I mean, I think he's got maybe a combined – 25 points between the first two games. Yeah, he was their second leading scorer, but he was like six for 17 shooting. Right, right. And and LeBron's just not going to be able to give you half your points every night. You know, I mean, we yeah. have seen it before in series where he's carried the team in every category, but he's still had help. You know, he's still had Kyrie or something like that. Still had someone producing. But uh, the reason I think the Cavs can still get it done is because it's early in the playoffs. That I still think they have a chance to flip the switch, get it going. Um, I think they have a better depth of talent on paper than most teams in the East. I mm-hmm. think there's an argument for the Raptors there. But uh, I think the X factor here is LeBron factor. Obviously, he can carry you. Um, I do think that uh, they have more multi-skilled players that can stretch the floor than a lot of the teams in the East. you got guys like Clarkson, George Hill, and Rodney Hood, like I talked about earlier. They mm-hmm. haven't been getting it done in the Pacers series. I mean, it's been a borderline embarrassing rate, what they've been producing. But if those guys can find their shots, find their mojo, it's almost like you don't see the kind of Jordan Clarkson you saw in the regular season or with the Lakers where he's just tenacious and always wanting to tackle for his shot, almost at at his own expense. Um, But I I do think the Cavs can get it done. Um, I think if we did not see them fire David Blatt, I I think we're looking at a different Cavs team right now. And that's a hot take, but I I just don't think Tyron Lue is much of a coach. I think he's proved that this season. Uh, I mean, they are starting with a different core group right now, but I just think that there's a clear lack of coaching right now going on because the Pacers are just outplaying them in almost every position. I mean, Oladipo looks like the best player on the floor half the time in this series so far. So if the Cavs are going to get it done, I do think they can do it, but they've got to flip the switch. They've got to find a way to get Clarkson and Hill and Hood involved. I mean, Hood was a 20-point-a-game scorer for the Jazz, and what is he doing right now? putting two points up in a playoff game for the Cavs. So they got some questions to answer, and I think they're going to have to answer those next game. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on a lot of those points there. I think no defense is what hurts them a lot is they can't really guard teams. And, I mean, they don't really have any post presence. Kevin Love yep. can't defend the rim for you. No Tristan protectors. Thompson is worthless pretty much at this point. I mean, all he's good for is uh, Chloe Kardashian yeah, talk. Yeah, got the Kardashian curse bad. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Thompson is a shell of the former player he was. And I think – that is an instance where GM LeBron kind of neutered the team. I think pushing to get Thompson that contract was a bad move. They actually ended up paying him more than the Heat paid Whiteside in the same year. I think if you see yeah. the Cavs with Whiteside right now, this is a whole different conversation. They might have a 61 team right now. <laughs> yeah. So they might not have lost some of the players they lost in trades. Yeah, it's just because LeBron makes your team win now. And, I mean, you have to pay your players to keep LeBron around. I mean, once LeBron leaves, your team's going to definitely be screwed over a little bit. But you got to do what you got to do to win now. And, I mean, winning a championship's a lot more worth stuff. But, I mean, I definitely agree with you. It's a terrible contract. But this is definitely a win-now move. But my biggest thing is, yes, I agree with you. LeBron can carry them in the playoffs. But I don't think he can carry them the whole way. I just feel like he's going to run out of gas, kind of like we saw against the Warriors in the finals that one year when when it was him and Delhi 
and they didn't have Kevin Love or Kyrie and they were trying to do everything Mozgov and all of them. I mean, I just feel like LeBron can only do so much. Then the tank's going to run out of gas. He can't go out there and play 43 minutes for you every night. And I think Toronto, a team that's really good at defense, is the kind of team that can slow him down. I mean, although Toronto really doesn't have anybody to match up on LeBron, but I feel like Toronto is just going to let LeBron do his thing and they're going to go for locking everyone else up. And I think that'll help. And I mean, Cleveland doesn't really have anybody you can match up with DeRozan either. So, I mean, that's going to go back and forth. You don't want to put LeBron on him. LeBron's too valuable to waste on defense like that. So I definitely think that LeBron, the Cavs need to speed this up and start winning some games because, I mean, they can't get stuck in back-to-back seven-game series or even really back-to-back six-game series and expect Mm. to be able to beat the Sixers. I mean, I think that'd be tough. Even if they could get through back-to-back like long series, I don't think they can get through a third. Yeah, I think Cleveland's only hope at beating the Raptors, if they continue to play the way they currently are, is increasing their pace. I mean, they don't have the post presence. Valenciunas and Ibaka are going to eat on the Cavs. Yeah. And I think the fact that DeRozan doesn't quite still have that elite outside jump shot, mm-hmm. that's their only saving grace if they can increase the pace, get Clarkson Hill and Rodney Hood involved. And they can they have the shooters. You know, Corver, I mean, Corver was the third best scorer last night. But I, I don't think you need that every night. You know, I'd like to see Clarkson or Rodney Hood up there. So if those guys can get involved and look for their shot, I think the Cavs still have the shooters and the scorers to outpace everyone in the East. And I still think they have the depth and the rotation to outpace everyone in the East. But it's going to be tough, man. Like the Cavs, the way I'm looking at them right now, I'm not sure they can get it done if they do make it out of the East, though. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I def- I think if they make it out of the East, they lose in f- four, maybe five yeah. to whoever they play. I mean, I just I personally I personally think the Raptors are going to beat them. I think they'll get past the Pacers in seven. I said five originally. I think it's going to go to seven. I mean, I was leaning towards six originally, but I felt like they would win some close games. But, I mean, I, I personally don't know if they can even win. What, they're going to have to win one in Indiana, and I think that's going to be a tough task. So we'll see what happens. But, I mean, like you said, if these role players step up, this is a Cavs team that can go a lot farther but I mean it's getting late early they need to figure something out yeah I mean right now the Cavs strengths are looking like weaknesses you know their their weaknesses were that they didn't have a post presence we all knew that but Mm -hmm. they're spacing of the floor their shooters just no one's getting involved you know LeBron can give you a 30 point triple double every night he can't give you a 50 point triple double every night for the whole for the whole playoffs so I mean it's really going to come down to how those guys answer next game but I do think the Cavs can win in six I'm going to say Cavs in six I think they will steal one in Indiana but um, it's going to be interesting to see this Rockets Cavs or Raptors Cavs series. Sorry. Yeah, no, I agree with you. They'll figure it out, but it's going to be interesting to see that series. Well, Jeremy, I appreciate having you on today. Yeah, no problem. And we'll, uh, we'll, be, time, man. we'll be back here uh, again tomorrow talking some more for y'all. We'll have some Hawks talk and everything for y'all. Appreciate y'all tuning in. And we still got another podcast coming in this week. I got him on the end of the rice. The home of the ran with the diners. Every week I change my clouds. Got a fin that's throwing my house. Got a building garage in my house. Got to wash up my wrist cause a house. My bitch can't sleep in my house. Make a sleep at the hotel now. And when you talk me, you talking on cap. And your diamonds ain't looking like tap. I was always looking for the pouch. Keep an army bitch my lap.